Welcome to the Johansson Baseball 2.0 podcast, where we dive deep into everything baseball player development. Johansson Baseball 2.0 is your ticket to learning about player development, recruiting, and everything in between. Hosted by Jake Scala and Ryan Johansson. Welcome back, guys, to episode two of the Joints Baseball Podcast, where we're going to talk about being coachable today. So, Ryan, what is coachable? Because every coach out there has their own definition of what, you know, that kid is highly coachable. Like, that's like their big pitch, at least a lot of times in our recruiting stuff at Wheaton. It was always, this kid's a great kid. He's really coachable, high baseball IQ. Kind of break it, kind of break it down for us. Man, there's a lot to unpack in that question. Um... So I guess let me start off with a story is growing up playing and I would guess that this is pretty similar to most people's playing careers here in America where we teach kids to be respectful um, where a lot of parents um, take pride and um, feel that they're not doing their job if their kid isn't respectful Um, and so being coachable is kind of that that way of saying like, Hey, it's almost like the the baseball version of like respect your elders. Right. And the biggest thing that, that I think is important to realize is that being coachable, like let's define it first. So our definition of being coachable is gathering information and then applying what makes sense to you. Right. There's no sense in arguing with somebody who's trying to help you just because their point of view is different, right? So you don't have to get mad at somebody for giving you bad information if they're trying to help you, right? Um, now, they're, they're not being open-minded. They're not being, them, themselves aren't being coachable, and they're just recapitulating the same information over and over and over again, year after year after year, and then calling it experience. Um, I think that's really problematic in how we set expectations for our kids to be called to be coachable. Um, and then really quick, before we dive back into that on the recruiting front is like, before he's a good kid, like he's got to be able to play at the school. Like <laughs> uh, I sat in a panel at the uh, Illinois high school um, coach association um, this past winter, I think it was January. And there was a bunch of division one college coaches up there. And somebody asked basically that same question, like, Hey, how, how much do you value personality and culture and different things? You know, when you're recruiting, they're like, Oh, absolutely a ton. Um, but like we look at that second, if he can't play here, he could be the nicest person in the world. He's not going to help us win games and us winning games. is How I feed my family. And so take that in consideration when you are promoting your players or you're thinking about what direction you're going to take your training, things like that. But going back to the bare bones of this particular podcast. Yeah, I do think, I think just the phrase, Hey, be coachable or, um, taking too much pride in being coachable rather than really looking at it as, hey, this is my career. I've got all these resources and all these people to help me. I should be gathering information and then figuring out how to use it rather than just blindly following bad information because that's the organization you play for. That's the person that your parents signed you up for for lessons. That's, you know, whatever. And um, I will say one of the best hitters I ever worked with argued a lot with me and not because of... um, not because of any other reason other than like he just owned his swing and owned his process. Um, actually, two of the better players <laughs> that, I, that I work with. And we typically would get to the end result, but they questioned things, right? Like they were confident enough to be like, well, why? Well, 
well, no, that doesn't make sense. And it usually just didn't make sense yet. And because in my world, I want to give them the least amount of information, right, that they can execute the task rather than the most. So anyways, that's that would be how I would answer that question. That's a whole other rabbit hole we could we could go down when it comes to negotiating with players. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know our guys were at Wheaton were pretty, a lot of them, when I, you know, I first got there, I wanted to work with them one-on-one, you know, just get an idea of who they were, what they're, where they were at, kind of what they wanted to do. And, you know, they're they were like dumbfounded when it was like, oh yeah, you know, like this is your career. This is your life. Like you can tell me, no, you can tell me you don't like a drill. You can tell me you don't want to work on that. But like when you give them that, that driver's seat, they end up making a lot bigger strides. Most of the time, they're a lot more open. They have that trust. Like, oh, this guy's not just going to come in here and try and ram everything down my throat for the next X amount of years that he's here. And then he leaves and, you know, I might still be here and stuck with, a, diff, a bad swing now or a bad process and the next coach comes in and now I don't trust him either but you know that coachability really like we've really distorted that as an industry what what it should be yeah and you I mean you hit it on the head man like giving them autonomy and giving them the driver's seat like you have to learn how to be your own coach in this game um you know when I first got into professional baseball I was absolutely shocked at how much, how how often unsolicited advice was given to hitters before watching them ever play in a game. You know, a new draft pick comes in, um, you know, and all of a sudden he's in the cage and, you know, it's we've had him for a week and all of a sudden coaches are talking about making changes or what he needs to do to hit at this level. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't even know if, like, we haven't even seen this guy, like, work yet. Like, what, like, I, do we know if it works? Like this, this might work every because in the same breath, they'll say, "Oh, everyone swings differently." Okay, well, like, do we know if this different works? You know, so um, and that's like pre lab testing, pre doing all the other stuff. Like, there's just this in, this desire to just like just ch- make changes all the time. Like, and and I think and it makes sense, right? Because like you want to do your job. Your job is to coach. Therefore, you want to coach and you want to like give information. And you want to share ideas. And I think it's the better coaches learn to say less um, and they learn to say more while saying less, right? Like more impactful things um, and then timing matters. But from a, from a motor learning standpoint or for lack of a better term, muscle memory, um, we'll go over that debate, I'm sure, in another, uh, another podcast. But just for today's sake, from a learning standpoint and learning the move and um, front sees the move, right? Uh <laughs> That, that could be its own debate right yeah, there. Yeah, Tom, Tommy Johnson's <laughs> going to love that quote if he ever hears this podcast. But, um, yeah, while you're learning how to move, learning the skill uh, is a better way to phrase that. Um, autonomy plays. So one of the things that, you know, I talked to all our coaches about when I was with the White Sox was, like, how you spoke to players about drills. So if you wanted a player to stay back more, they would be like, hey, I've got a plan uh, for you today. I've got three different drills that I think are going to be really good for you. Here they are. Which one do you want to do first? player automatically is like okay boom and that's not even ahead of time of like hey like um i kind of noticed you were it seems it seems like you might be struggling with curveballs lately um i haven't looked at the data yet and maybe that coach actually had just didn't say he hadn't looked at the data yet um and the player might be like oh man yeah i was like looking at video it feels like i'm lunging like okay so like do you think like what do you think makes more sense should we work on like pitch recognition like swing decision or you think maybe like you might want to work on staying back a little bit yeah definitely staying back coach yeah got it all right cool i've got three drills that'll help you stay back which one do you want to do first 
boom, that player's in the driver's seat 100%. He buys in. It's his idea. And now you've built trust. You've built communication. And that guy can go back and take those three drills with him, even if he doesn't do all three those days. Um, another way to do that and give players autonomy is, hey, I, I was thinking like somewhere between like eight to 12 reps. Like what, what makes sense to you? Um, yeah, man, like how about just split the difference? Let's do 10. Perfect. In. All right. You know, so you're, you're guiding them. You're giving them the blueprint. You're still positioning yourself as a coach and putting them in the right directions, but they get to choose all of these um, all these kind of little small variables that don't really make a difference, but it makes a huge difference to how they uh, feel in control. So um, great point on that. For sure. For sure. I know uh, even a lot of times at, at where I've been and when I've coached it, sometimes it's just getting the players out of their own way. They've been so overcoached their whole lives that, you know, one swing and miss at a bad pitch and they're like, man, like, Coach, what what was wrong with my swing there? Did you see something? Like, what what do you think I should do? Am I am I doing this? Am I doing that? Like, can can you watch? And it's like most of the time, man. Like, sometimes you just swing at a bad pitch, and like that coachability to just be able to like calm down a little bit and like realize that sometimes you do just swing at bad pitches. Like, getting getting those players out of their own way sometimes is the best way to coach them instead of giving them some overarching mechanical fix, just trying to make them feel what hear what they want to hear absolutely and for me um there's been a lot of times i've like kept i've kept like a little mechanical tweak like in my pocket like just going to keep that right there i'm not going to say anything about it today i don't really think it's a huge issue but when that player comes back and he needs something he's in his own way and he's like oh man like i'm doing something wrong it just feels off boom pull that out hey man i noticed like let's look at some video and i noticed like you're you're just kind of you're not really maintaining your posture um, or like, you know, you're, it seems like you're getting on your toes a little bit. Like, what if we just, I, I think maybe just over the course of the past couple of weeks, maybe you've kind of just like shifted into that. Oh, dude, that's it. That's it, man. Like, dude, that's what I needed. Thanks, bro. That dude. And then all of a sudden there's belief, right? And belief is the best mechanic. Like now, now he goes out and he goes three for four. And at, when he's just due against a guy with a seven ERA and you're like, awesome, man. And then again, trust like is built things like that but i think sometimes we go on the other side of not coaching when players and i learned this in professional baseball too is like players sometimes just need something they need it you can't just say dude you're fine dude it's okay dude dude, you play 140 of these games 162 of these games you know whatever like some some weeks are just tough like oh by the way your hips really tight and that's why you're in the training room and that's why you're a tick late on fastballs but you did a great job with your approach like staying on the sliders and still hitting 250 this week like yeah you're not gonna hit you can't sustain your your two and a half week prior to that where you were hitting 412 it's just not sustainable you know like you're fine and so they don't want that they want a tangible reason and hitters tend to go towards the swing because it's something they feel they can control. They can't control where the pitch is. They can't control where the, the, how hard it is. They can't control how much it moves. But they can control their swing, at least in their mind. And that's why they need something. So by being able to store up something small, something simple, something tangible that you can pull out of your pocket and give them a clear focus. Like for, I always say my number one job as a hitting coach is to get them to think about one thing, right? For sure. For sure. The, the sim- more simple they're thinking processes and the less things they're thinking about the more free they are to go out there and just be a dude but uh that brings me we, we've talked a lot about from the coaching side of things now 
let's talk, maybe dive in a little bit of the player side. So how can, you know, a player be coachable in our definition of it, but not come off as a know-it-all or not come off as being traditionally uncoachable when they end up with a coach that, you know, either doesn't doesn't agree with them or is focused on the in their players' minds the wrong things or may actually even be focused on the wrong things. I teach our guys um, when this comes up, and usually it's a it's usually an issue um, if it's like super different. And I do my very best these days in my younger coaching career, and not as my wasn't nearly as good at this, um, but. I try to get them to understand that every coach they have is pulling on the same end of the road. I might polar, I might, we might be polar opposites from a mechanical standpoint, approach standpoint, whatever it is. And I don't want the kid to feel that. So trying to um, negotiate with them that if their coach is saying swing down, hit the ball to second base, and I'm saying hit a pull side nuke just to go polar opposites, that's not what I think anyone's really teaching anymore. Um, but figuring out like, what they're really trying to get, which is long line drives from the middle of the field. I don't think there's a hitting coach in the world that doesn't agree with that. Um, and so just phrasing it in a way of like, hey, maybe that's why he's saying it. And I think really maybe what he means is this. And he just doesn't have the time because he's also raking the field and ordering jerseys and doing buses and things like that. But I do think he's got like probably your best interest um, you know, at heart. So from a player standpoint, then I teach our guys from there to, hey, man, like ask a lot of questions. Like, it's okay to say why. It's okay to um, express how you feel. It's okay to say, man, like, I feel like when I think about that, though, it causes me to pull off. And then it gives them an opportunity to respond, right? I think so many times we assume that there's, like, if A is true, B cannot be true. And in reality, like, A and B can both be true in the same breath. And so teaching players how to navigate gaining information, which is the best way to do that is to ask questions. Um, ask a lot of questions, nod your head and smile, um, and definitely like don't be the guy that, to what you just said, like, hey coach, can you come watch my back foot? To me, that just screams insecurity and like, look at me. Like, go, go about your work, like, do it quietly, and when the coach comes by is trying to help you, like, and he makes a comment, like, that's, that's when you're going to build your relationship. Like, hey man, like, keep your head down. Right, and then you can ask something like, hey, do you have any good drills for that? And then he might say, oh, yeah, I do this. And then you get the coach talking and you say, hmm, man, when I do that drill, it make, I feel like I actually pull my head off more or I feel like maybe I'm not staying back as much or um, I'm losing space. Like, like, what do you got? What do you got on that? Like, just build the rapport, build um, the relationships. And I think from a long-lasting, like, life lesson perspective, that's probably a way better approach to teach young players to do um, rather than, like, sit here prideful in your cage, be like, oh, I don't do that. Just nod your head and smile and we'll hit the way Rabble, 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 which I know happens all the time in the industry, which is why a lot of times high school coaches and travel coaches don't get along. Travel coaches and other private coaches don't get along. I mean, there's high school coaches in our area that ban people from seeing certain hitting coaches. And it just absolutely boggles my mind um, that there's that much animosity between, like, like, people trying to help athletes. Yeah, at the end of the day, all coaches be just trying to help their athletes and, you know, Personally, I don't care if, you know, they come to me or they come to someone else's. Like, if they're getting better, like, I'm happy for them. Like, they're achieving their goals. Especially, like, we as college coaches are very limited in the amount of time we're allowed to work with them. Like, if 
am I really going to be that selfish that like, hey, like, I don't know. I know at the D3 level, we only get four weeks with you in the fall. And then once the the spring rolls around, then we get you as much as we want for, for that season. But hey, like, just do what I told you and work on your own for the next, you know, six to eight weeks. And, you know, don't don't go see anybody else because... You know, I want you to get better, but I also want you to be my guy. And like, you know, who knows where you're where you're gonna go? And it, it just blows my mind that coaches don't want their players trying to find every avenue to get better. Yeah, it's it's really like it's really a reflection of the industry as a whole. I think because this happens all the time. But like, hitting coaches almost root for guys who either went decided to go to someone else or I'm sorry root against guys who maybe decided to go somewhere else or it's with somebody they don't agree with just so they can be like see it doesn't work it's like dude why are you rooting against a 12 year old you're 45 years old like like what is wrong with you how dysregulated are you that that's like that important to you like I I hope every kid has a blast playing baseball like I, I hope is the most fun experience of all time right um I don't need to root against you because your hitting coach is does something different or talk smack about us on social media or, you know, your high school coach, whatever it is. Right. And, um, obviously you'll get, if you guys follow us, you know, that we really don't engage at all in those social media arguments. So maybe be a little sarcasm here, but that's not really our style. Try to stay away from it. Um, it's a dumpster fire out there. Um, but yeah, so I think just kind of going back to your other question for, for players. And if I'm a parent and what I'm going to teach my kids and what I teach the players that we work with here in the cage remotely and um, in the cage <laughs> uh, is, you know, your first goal, um, your first goal is to have the most successful current season that you possibly can. That's your first goal in like working hard and trying to gain information. Your next goal is to figure out, all right, what is going to scale into the following? Like, how do I, if I'm 12 right now, how do I, how do I get ready for 13? If I'm 15, how do I get ready for 16? If I'm 16, um, how do I get ready for, uh, you know, potentially be, being recruited to play in college anywhere, but also like, man, I better be ready to show up as a freshman, like and play in the fall, you know? Um, Especially in this day and age when you got all these COVID years, we got 25, 26 year olds yeah. still playing. I mean, right? even at the division three level, we had a couple guys that were like, 24, 25 this year that still have your eligibility left. Like you're coming in as an 18 year old or in some cases a 17 year old. Yeah. College. Like you gotta be ready to play. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then for those guys, if they want to keep playing, you know, it's, it's okay. Well, what's, what's the end goal? And for a lot of guys, it's professional baseball, right? Like that's the pinnacle. That's it's getting drafted. It's getting uh, up to double A. It's getting into the big leagues. Like and each level requires a different version of yourself. Um, and you want to make sure that when you go look for that version and you dig through your toolbox that you have the tools that are already there. It's just going to make your life easier. You know, I tell kids all the time, I've got, I work with a hitter who's got, he's played three years of college baseball. He's got 64 homers. He's, I think he's over three years. He's hit like 330. He's had a great year. We didn't start talking about like hitting until he was a freshman in college. Like it was bat speed. It was, um, getting him to the threshold to the point where he could potentially be a draft pick. Now he's in the, he's in the conversation. Um, but like in terms of like staying on pitches and approach and stuff like that, like we did it a little bit, but like we made sure that like he was, he was already good enough in that, in that area. Like we didn't have to get into the nitty gritty. And so when I see 12 year olds and you know, the first thing is like, Oh, now we're going to see curveballs. It's like, man, like the, uh, <laughs> I can tell you 
when I coached in college in the fall, we told our hitters, like, don't swing at anything off speed, like just hunt fastballs. And then he was like, oh, yeah, we're going to, that's going to be like our in season approach too. And our eight hitter hit 40 doubles in 55 games. We were really good that year, just hunting fastballs. I know the Minnesota Twins um, in 2019 when they scored all those runs, like kind of similar idea. Um, kind of got exposed in the playoffs a little bit, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a really good approach for a very long time to hunt fastballs and, and swing aggressively. Um, be aggressive. Uh, make sure you're on time for the fastball. Like, that is the simplest. If you can do that and you can continue to build the engine and continue to build those, schools, those skill sets and build things in your toolbox, now when, now when you have to hit, you can talk about it, right? You can talk about staying on the slider. You can talk about, um, you know, what happened, like the five-step five step reset. And I can tell you the younger that we get players, either remotely or in, or in gym, the sooner that we're able to talk about those, like, mental things, the more we're able to talk about it. The more technology that comes out and provides direction for their mechanics and provides direction for where they're at bat speed-wise. Like, we know the thresholds for the levels. We know what tools they have in their toolbox because we can measure it. And that's basically how we decide what the direction is. And um, that's been really, really cool to see. Like technology, ironically, technology's actually helped us talk about hitting more than the swing. Like hitting is approach, hitting's timing, hitting is like being able to compete in the box because the technology is doing the swing part for us. Like now we don't have to be swing coaches. Now we can get back to being a hitting coach. Um, and ironically, that is what the anti tech, anti data crowd says isn't happening. It's actually the opposite. You know, I, I think I talked about mechanics with guys this year at, at Wheaton. Maybe I would say less than less than fifty times over the course of the whole season, from beginning of fall to end of end of the season. And you know, I think it freed them up on a lot of ways because, like you said, like hitting is is more of those other things than it is the swing. Like the swing is important, but at the end of the day, like you can have the greatest swing in the world, but if you don't find the barrel and you're not on time like it's not going to do anything just like you can have the worst worst swing in the world and you can't those of you listening can't see me do the air quotes but like you can have the worst swing in the world me- mechanically and like still hit you know bombs or hit the ball hard or be very successful if your timing and other things are are on to an extent but yeah i mean i think um you're absolutely right like defining good and defining bad i think are we really should refer to it as like efficient or inefficient right and then there's productive or not productive you can have a really productive and efficient swing right you can be a really good hitter be really productive help your team win find barrels and your swing and body movements can be really inefficient um and that's when you have to figure out like okay is there a specific level this goes up until or do i just have the brain like does the brain just work right um but kind of going back to that original question, like players, like, right, like your goal is to gather information, have the most successful season this year, to uh, put tools in your toolbox to be ready for your tryouts or your next you know, upcoming season, um, whether that's maybe swinging a bigger bat, maybe the field size gets bigger, um, you know, maybe the, you're worried about velocity, you know, whatever that is for the next step. Um, and then you have to figure out, like, okay, what's my end goal? Because whatever my end goal is, I want to make sure that I'm focused. I, I'm doing something to at least add to that skill set and add to that end goal without making it my end-all be-all. Because you can just train for bat speed. You can say, hey, I want to be a big leaguer, so I'm going to have 80-mile-an-hour bat speed. And you can just train bat speed, and you could be the least productive hitter of all time, right? Like, you could have the fastest swing, you could, and you could just be underplaying all the time. Like, you're always underplaying. And, I, and you can look at the metrics and the blast and be like, I don't get it. I'm a stud. And it's like, 
and I go and hit tracks it and I hit the ball really hard. It's like, yeah, man, you have zero mental approach. You don't create space. You pull off of everything. But like, yeah, you're you're really talented. Like you could you have the engine. Let's build a car around you. And if you don't build the car around that person, like they're not going to have a good probably next year. And then eventually they're going to sit the bench because their coaches are going to want somebody who can perform now. And now all of a sudden you've, you've got an uphill battle proving you can play um, even though you have a lot of these skill sets. Um, and so that's something we're like blending it all together. So if you guys are listening and you're wondering, okay, well, what does blending it look like? Um, one thing, and this is kind of, these are somewhat arbitrary numbers, but if uh, they're, I guess they're kind of not, is if I have, five stations if i'm a team coach and i've got five stations i'm gonna have at least one station that is absolutely bat speed only. whether that's uh flips and guys are just taking absolute daddy hacks with weighted bats doing whatever whether it's uh, speed sluggers and taking dry swings and there's absolutely just swing as hard as they possibly can one of my stations is going to be that the other stations are all going to be about hitting right so i'm going to spend 20 percent of my time one out of five worrying about bat speed solely and then uh, four out of five worrying about the other stuff. And really what, I guess you could even take that another step further and you could say 20% on bat speed, 20% on blending, and then 30% on, on like barrel control, timing, whatever else, right? Because at the end of the day, like you want to be able to have bat speed in a swing that is adjustable. It shouldn't be just, okay, hey, I'm just going to turn it on now, um, you know, from there. So uh, that's how I would say, you can blend it and from a coachability standpoint and being coachable is like ask questions of like why 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 are why is this drill why did you choose this one for our team why did you choose this one for me um you know and then you just ask it in a really respectful way and you just learn how to build a relationship being coachable to me is about building let me say it this way and I, I don't think i've ever said this before in this phrase but as we're talking through it being coachable this is an even easier way we should have started with this is like being coachable is just building relationships like just change the change it. Like instead of be coachable, like let's teach our kids to build relationships. Like it's all relationship based. And there's no again. It's like the respect your elders version for baseball. Like no, just build build relationships in every cat in every aspect of your life. You can build relationships and learn how to communicate with people. You're going to come off as coachable. All right, I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> We're getting to the end of this. Thing. No, that that's a great definition for it. At the end of the day life is all about relationships and you know, being coachable and building the relationship um that's all we got time for this week but catch us again next week for our next podcast jake do we have a cool outro that that comes on after we, this we do have a cool outro so i don't have to be like dun to baseball i'm definitely gonna leave this in but that's, yes we do have a cool outro that does all that for us that's fine it's, you know you know what it is though it's because i actually got a coffee for this episode and you don't drink coffee so you have like no energy to do anything i don't even know how you're standing upright right now but it's fine we we can go into that in another episode but uh <laughs> cold showers big believer in the cold shower oh you're but that guy you're i that am guy. i am that guy you're gonna be a millionaire because you make your bed yeah. and take cold showers got you it can i have some money you, you can you can yeah well uh <laughs> We'll make some money together. But uh, catch y'all next week. For more information or to train with the Johansson baseball team, follow along with Johansson baseball on all major social media platforms or by visiting their website at johanssonbaseball.com. Baseball.com.